0: If you want to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 verses 3 to 8. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Let's hear the word of the Lord. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, as we come to your word now, we recognize that this is every bit as much worship as when we sing together. So, Lord, we pray that you would not, uh, you would well, you would fill us with your Spirit, Lord God, and help us to focus now to receive your word as it is, and Father, that you might grow in us fruit as we learn about what it is to be part of your church. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we are doing together a series on the church called Church Unpacked. And the reason for doing this as a church is that I think and I agree with Dr. Martin Lord jones who said that a lot of the problems that we are encountering In this century, a lot of the problems we're encountering in the body of Christ are down to the fact that many of us simply do not understand what church is or what it is supposed to be in the first place. Okay, A misunderstanding about what church is will lead to error in practicing what church is. Does that make sense? And so if we can ground our understanding... Of what the church is, its nature, its practice, if we can ground that in scripture, we can have each individually a solid doctrine of church, we are going to be less prone to mispracticing what church is. Does that make sense? And so our hope is through this study, as we look to the scriptures to refine our understanding of church, we hope that we are going to grow as a community in our practice of church. And that we are going to see God's gifts and fruits manifest in Hope City Church. And so last time out, if you haven't already listened to it, we looked at the New Testament word for church, which isn't church. (laughs) Um, The word church, of course, that we use doesn't actually come from the New Testament word for church. It doesn't derive from that. In fact, the New Testament word for church is ecclesia, ecclesia, which means a called out assembly. And so church ultimately isn't a building, uh, it isn't an organization, it isn't an institution, but it's a body of people who have been called out of the world and are called to gather together, to assemble together, uh, to worship God to use their giftings, to serve one another, build one another up and to the glory of God. And today we are going to be taking a look at one of the New Testament names for church. And there are actually several names in the Bible for church. There's several designations or phrases, terms that the apostles, the writers of the New Testament use for the church. How many of you know some of those? What's the name for the church in the New Testament? The, who said that? The temple. So the temple's one of them, temple of God, yeah. Any other names or terms in the New Testament for church you can think of? The bride, the bride of Christ, yeah, that's another one. And what have we heard in this passage today? The body, the body of Christ. And there's also the pillar and ground of truth, which is in that image there. So these are names for the church and each of these names tells us something specific about the nature of what church is and what it is supposed to be. None of these names however, like the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the temple of God, none of them are stand alone, fully comprehensive descriptions of what church is and we have to be careful not to pretend that they are okay you find very often that people think that you know we the church is just the body of christ we just refer to it as that we talk about it as that or others might think well we can fully define what church is by talking about it as the bride of christ and that's true as well but none of those names were so ever supposed to be comprehensive in fully describing what church is they're all supposed to work together it's like if you are walking around something in a museum. Let's say, well, when I went to the Museum of Natural History, you're walking around an ancient Egyptian um, statue, and each angle that you look at it from, there's a slightly different sort of faction of that of that statue that you pick up. You only see a certain uh, a certain kind of like paint job from a certain angle, right? And it's the same with these names, is that they're all looking at church from a slightly different angle. They all teach us something slightly different and none of them supposed to comprehensively describe what church is. And today we're going to focus in on this passage on arguably the Apostle Paul's favourite name for the church. He uses this name more than any of the other New Testament writers, that is the body of Christ. And we know this name appears in much of Paul's writings, it appears in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5, Colossians 1, Colossians 2, Colossians 3, it's right through Paul's writings. And of course he covers it most in detail in which of those passages? Anybody hazard a guess? He covers this name in most detail in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, That's where he really unpacks this doctrine of the body of Christ in detail. What we're looking at today in Romans 12 is a summary of what he unpacks in 1 Corinthians 12. So if we want to get more detail, that's where we look. And interestingly, this term, the body of Christ, Paul uses it to refer both to the universal church... Remember we talked last time out about the difference between the visible church and the invisible? Do you remember talking about that? Well, as a refresher. Paul uses it in Ephesians 1 to describe the universal church. He says, he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, Paul is not talking about a local congregation there, is he? He's not talking about you believers in a local setting. He's talking about the global body of Christ. That meaning all those who have believed in Christ, all those who ever will believe in Christ throughout eternity. That's the invisible church because we can't see it with our natural eyes, can we? It's not manifest naturally speaking. And if you're in Christ today, if you're a believer, if you're one of God's people, you're part of that invisible body of Christ, which contains not just your brothers and sisters in this room, not even just your brothers and sisters in this nation, but your brothers and sisters in Christ who are not only here situated on earth, but who have already gone to glory. Isn't that incredible? So we're part of a body with believers who have passed on and are now in the presence of Christ. Isn't that incredible? So that's the invisible body of Christ, and that's what Paul's referring to in Ephesians 1. But interestingly, he's quite fluid with this term. He uses it also to describe the local church. He uses the word, sorry, he uses the term the body of Christ to refer to the local church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, he says, Now you, speaking to those he's writing to, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And so in Paul's thinking, the body of Christ is, yeah, every believer who has ever believed and every believer who will ever believe, it is that, but it is also this. It is also Hope City Church. It is also every local gathering. That's the visible church. That's what we can see. And so we here in this church, in Paul's thinking, we are also the body of Christ. So that's our first conclusion. That's the first conclusion we can draw on this is that the church invisible, the church universal or the church triumphant, however you want to talk about that, that's the body of Christ, but also the church visible. This congregation is the body of Christ. We, as Hope City Church, are a manifestation of the body of Christ on earth. So we are the body of Christ. Say that with me. We are the body of Christ. I've got seven points that I want to make um, before I finish, and I've got to get through them in 20 minutes. So please be praying for me as I do that. And just a couple of points of application. And I think this text is going to be really, really encouraging for you. It was really encouraging for me as I was studying it this week. I think that this text and this message about the body of Christ is going to bring us into a season, hopefully, of greater health uh, as a local church. And so I have these seven points I'm going to make. Uh, points of doctrinal distinction and then draw down to some applications before we finish and God willing by the end of it you are going to be more confident in the grace of God that is upon your life and you are going to realize how vital you are how absolutely integral your life is to the health of this local body of Christ that's my hope and my aim before we finish today so point one point one The church is not an organization, it's an organism. Point number one, the church of Jesus Christ is not an organization, it is an organism. Did you catch the difference? Martin Lloyd-Jones put this excellently and I think he's absolutely right when Paul the Apostle describes the church as the body of Christ, what's he wanting for us to think about? He's wanting for us to think about what? The living Christ or a living body. You each have a body, you understand what he's meaning by this picture. He wants to think, he wants you to think of a living body when you think of the church. A body being a, a living organism, a living organism. Organism consisting of lots of different parts. You think of your own body. We have a doctor in the room that could tell us about the intricacies of a working human body. Of all the members, all the organs and the systems. You just think of your central nervous system. A complex system of nerves running throughout the the body which tell you about sensations and things happening to your physical body. There's the vascular system, all of your arteries, your veins, your capillaries. There are all these systems that have to work together in conjunction for your body to function. It's very complex and each part is designed to work to complement the other parts. And that's the image that Paul wants you to have of what the church is. It's not like a machine. It isn't like a machine, it's like a body. And I want for you to draw that distinction. Church is not an organisation, it's not a business, it's an organism, okay? Firstly, let me say and make this point, an underpoint here, is that you can join an organisation, can't you? You can join an organisation. You can sign up to be part of it, you can show up to a local church, you can come to a Hope City church welcome morning, and you can sign a membership form, right? You could go and join any club in town, like a social group, a sports club. You can sign up and be part of an organization. But is it possible for you to join a living organism? You can't sort of join a living organism by osmosis, can you? You either are part of an organism or you are not part of an organism, And this is, again, an interesting point of distinction. If the Church of Jesus Christ is a living organism, then it can't be joined simply by signing on a dotted line. The Church of Jesus Christ is not a social club, the Church isn't just a group of people who have all signed on the dotted line to say we agree with one another about Christ or about his manifesto, about his works, about his mission, right? We don't join the church through worldly means like that because the church is an organism. You can only join the church by being born into it, by being born again, as Jesus says in John 3.3, 3, by being a new creation, That's 2 Corinthians 5 The church is not an organization. It's not just a collection of people who are rallying around a particular religious or political point. It's not a social club. It's a a living organism that you can only join by being born into it. And so what is the church? It's a living body of born again people. And so my question would be, are you born again? Because we have this tension. We have this tension, don't we? Where just because we attend a local church, just because we do Christian things, doesn't necessarily mean we're actually part of the body of Christ. And that's why we're to always examine our hearts. We're always to look and ask God what our condition is. Because the church is a living organism and we must be born again in Christ to be part of it. We must be in Christ to be part of his body. As I've said already, if the church is an organism, then it's not a piece of machinery. It's it's not like a... It's not like a, a train with an engine at the front and then separate carriages behind it. It's, it's not like a machine built from lifeless parts and then operated by a team of skilled engineers. That's not what the church is, but that's, that is so accurate as to what many people think church is. They think it's like a piece of machinery. They think that you can craft church, you can just make church. But the church is alive. It's not a piece of machinery. And when we think that the church is just like a kind of engineered piece of machinery, we just, you know, click part A into part B and then part B into part C and there we have it. We've got church. We are prone to do tremendous damage to the children of God. Because what what we begin doing is we begin treating people like resources, People like parts. We, we don't see any difference between this part and that part. You're just here to serve the purpose of whatever we're building here. Can you see what I'm saying here? Does this make sense? This is the problem when we forget that the church is a living organism. Made of living stones. This is another picture of the church in the New Testament. When we turn church into some crude piece of machinery we begin to mistreat the living stones. We begin to try and force them into places they were never supposed to be. And equally, we begin to see people as just resources, just parts that help us to accomplish a goal. I'm speaking specifically about church leaders here and the danger and the pitfall that church leaders face in not understanding this and the damage that they can do. They draw a hard line between clergy, between leaders, between ministers and the lay people. This is not a biblical distinction. This is absolutely not what is meant by the body of Christ. The body of Christ is a living organism which contains both those who preach and minister and those who serve in other areas and have different gifts. That's what the body is. It's a living organism made up of all these parts. So therefore, when we treat it like it's just a piece of engineering what we end up with is passengers. We end up with passengers who are just there to make up the numbers. They don't serve in their giftings. They don't see that they have any real purpose and that's exactly wrong. And we do damage to the body when we treat it like that. Because when we have this hard line between clergy and lay, essentially what we have is one part of the body that's working and is serving and using giftings, and then the rest of the part of the body that just is not active. What would we call a a human body in which only the brain was working but nothing else was? That would be a paraplegic body, wouldn't it? That would be a body in a coma, that's not a picture of health. But unfortunately that's what many churches look like because of this crucial misunderstanding. You cannot treat a body like a machine and still end up with a healthy body. And I think this is also another point I want to draw here, is that um, when we, all of us, royal we, when we treat church and one another, and we treat ourselves even like machines, expecting high levels of output, lots of activity, but actually not nourishing the body not allowing rest, but expecting this constant high level of output and drive, what happens is what? Burnout. Burnout happens. You get a high turnover. This is what happens when we forget that this is a body and not a machine. You only have to look at who's listened to the uh, Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. I really highly encourage that you listen to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, okay? There's a great example of people who started out well, with good intentions, with the best intentions, but began to think of what they were as a brand, right? Began to think of what they were as a business, as an organization, as a machine. And soon enough, what you've got is a high turnover. Why? Because people are expected to have this ridiculously high level of output without any spiritual nourishment or care or rest. And so what happens? People get burnt out year after year after year, staff turnover, church turnover, and guess what? Nobody in the eldership cares because all they care about is achieving this crazy high level of ministry output. Alright, is the church growing? Do we have more bums on seats this week than we did last week? Then we don't care about the bodies piling up under the bus. That's what happens when you treat church like a machine and not a body. Bodies get thrown under the wheels of your ministry and you don't even care. Why? Because you've got some other bright-eyed, bushy-tailed couple that's come in who's willing to give you the output that the last couple failed to give you. This is why we have to remember that church is a body, not a machine. And each one of you has to remember this individually. You are not a machine. You're a human. And we must treat one another with an understanding that yes, we were designed to function. We were designed to have an output. Your body was designed to be strong and to work and to to do great things. But if we Don't ever nourish that body. If we don't give it the right food, if we don't feed it the right things, it's not going to be capable of giving the right output. And so when churches change what they do from the pulpit from being feeding the flock God's word and instead churning out pragmatism every Sunday... Guess what? The body doesn't get nourished and therefore the body is not healthy and it cannot do what God intended for it to do. You cannot survive on scraps as a church. You can't survive on five-point TED Talks as the church. You can't survive on the church's vision and mission as your meat and drink. As a Christian, you need the Word of God. This is what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, listen, he said... Cut the meat up in huge chunks and throw it out every week. Even if the church can't fully digest it. Throw it out there and that's what's going to nourish them. Not, pre- not presenting them with some piece of cress with a little bit of jus on there. okay? Throw the meat out there. Give them the word of God and trust the Holy Spirit to help them understand it we've stopped doing this haven't we so the body's not nourished the body's not capable of doing what it was intended to do and there's this because we've not seen that church is a body and not an organization we're confused and we are ending up with churches with just tons of burnt out people in because we're expecting this high level of output but we're not feeding the body what it needs we're not allowing for rest for for recuperation and so therefore we're ending burnt out On the flip side, because how many of you understand we can can swing like a pendulum? We can swing like a pendulum on this issue. If we, for example, are only concerned with nourishment. If we're only concerned with feeding the body or feeding the mind, but not actually exercising the body, what happens to a body if we just feed it and feed it and feed it? And we study and study and study, but we don't exercise. You get fat, you get obese, and I'm sure Dr. Alommelay could, could tell you how many health issues can actually come from just that, that one thing, and how, how many health issues probably be solved by, by actually exercising, more, eating slightly less. Um, and this is also a, a problem is when churches, uh, when the organization becomes obsessed. With right doctrine, I love right doctrine. I think it's something we should absolutely be razor sharp on. But if we get to a point when all we want to do is debate the peculiarities of some fourth tier, you know, tier doctrine, then and we don't want to go out. And share the gospel with people. We don't want to pray for somebody. We don't want to show up to church. We just want to watch YouTube all day and fight about doctrine. How how many of you can see that that's not healthy either? A church needs to be active. We need to be active in ministering to one another. And when we neglect to do that, we we decide we're just going to sit and get fat. um, We don't want to be using what God has given us. Then that's not healthy either. Okay? Um, I think it's, it's really cool to just think about this for a moment, though, this picture of the body. Because in a, in a body, each part affects the other, doesn't it? It's an incredible system. It's an incredible system. The more I learn and the, experientially, the more I learn growing up about how my mindset can affect my physical body. How many of you felt this more and more as you get older? That if you're stressed, then you physically feel it, don't you? Physically in your body, things happen because you're overworked and overstressed. Mentally, we're so connected. And this is the picture of church. It's a picture of like, each of you are different members. But guess what? If one of you's struggling, then we all feel it. Or if one person is hurt, then we all need to attend to that hurt because it affects us all. Right? This is a wonderful, wonderful picture for us of how important it is to tend to the whole body, to take care of one another, to pray for one another, um, to make sure that we are keeping one another safe from illness and ill health. If we see somebody who's burning, on the verge of burning out, that we don't just let them walk into that, but we come alongside and we help. Why? Well, to love and to help them, but equally they're part of our body. And what affects one part of the body affects the whole body. So, th- this is the picture here of what Paul's getting at uh, through the body of Christ. Second point the church is Christ's body, it's his body. It's not our body, it's his body. Okay? The church belongs to Jesus Christ. It's his, it's his property. It's his, and therefore. I, as a pastor in the church, don't get to decide what church is about, what mission the church is about. That, that's his job, it's his body. We belong to him. And what's amazing is that just as Jesus took on a physical body when he came to earth and he physically manifested the love of God to the world in his, his earthly years of ministry, now he has taken on a spiritual body, which is us. And so the work of Christ continues today in the earth through his body, the church. Jesus is Christ's ministry continues in his church. Point number three. The head of the body is Jesus. Jesus is the head. We read this in Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. In a healthy body, all of the parts of the body, the legs, the arms, everything is in subjection to the mind, isn't it? Now, a body that isn't in subjection to the mind, a body where you've got the arms flailing and it's involuntary movement, that's not a healthy state to be in, is it, when your mind can't control what the rest of the members are doing? And so a healthy church is a church where... All of the members are being obedient to the head. Obedient to Christ. So the health of a local church, I want you to really understand this, the health of a local church isn't measured by how many numbers there are. It isn't measured by how much favour, quote unquote, that church has. It's, It's not... Something you can measure by how much money is in that church or how much influence or prominence that church has. The only way to measure how healthy a local body of Christ is, is by how obedient that church is to its head, to Jesus Christ. Now, every church is going to say, We're obedient to Jesus Christ. The question is, which Jesus Christ? Which Jesus Christ? Because Christ is defined where? He's defined perfectly in the Scriptures. Not in dreams and visions of man, not in vain imaginations, but in the Scriptures. So, how closely do we obey Christ's commandments as laid out in Scripture? That's how we determine how truly healthy a church is. Christ is the head of the church. And the church must submit to Christ. And there's a beauty in submission, isn't there? There's a beauty in submission. I desire obedience and not sacrifice. sacrifice. What scripture is that again? You'll find out for me. I know where that is. Haggai. I know it's a minor prophet, isn't it? I desire obedience and not sacrifice. And Ephesians 5, and 23 carries on this thought, doesn't it? When God is talking about what? About marriage. About the union between one man and one woman. Under God for one life. That's what Christian marriage is. One man, one woman. Under God for life. A covenant, okay? Ephesians 5, and 23. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Not to somebody else's. To your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body. Submission to Christ is a beautiful thing in a church. That's how we measure its health. Point number four, we're made one body in Christ. We're made one body in him. How many of you know that God wants unity in his church? He wants the church to be united. John 17, 11, Jesus says, And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you've given to me, that they may be one, even as we are one. This name, the body of Christ, is a picture of unity. Unity. That we, no matter what ethnicity, no matter what socioeconomic background, no matter what political persuasion we might be of, we're made one in Christ. That's where our unity is. And that's why the church continues to be a powerful prophetic message to the world that we live in, where there is division along every line. Fighting along every line of political dis- difference in the church. We are made one in Christ. Our unity is held together in him. Not in our political affiliations. Not in second order disagreements. But in Christ. That's where our fellowship is. That's where our oneness is. That's where our unity is. There's a lot more I can say on that. But also our unity is in the fact that we... Being in Christ, share in His one Spirit. We share in the Holy Spirit because we're in Christ. Therefore, that unity is more important than any other that we may share. The unity that we have in the Spirit of God. Number five, we are one in Christ. And John Piper says this better than I ever could. So I'm going to just repeat what he says. Individuality in the body is valued by God. Though we are one in Christ, your individuality is something that is valued by God. Our unity is not a unity of uniformity. That's a complex thing to say. Our unity is not a unity of uniformity, but a unity of... Of individuals. Individuals. And what this passage in Romans 12 teaches is that your individuality, your personality, your unique gifts and graces trace back to God. He's the reason for those differences. He's the reason for your individuality. Because He doesn't intend for us all to be clones. Did you realize that? He doesn't want for us all one after another to be just cookie cutter versions of someone else but he's made us all unique according to his preferences and has given each one of you a unique measure of different giftings for use in the church and these giftings and your personality and who you are differs and that's actually god's preference it's not an accident it's his preference these differences trace back to the grace of God and therefore they should be celebrated and not overridden and not crushed and not sought to be changed. These are actually things that God has done. You know one of the vital signs of a cult is that all the members are like cookie cutter versions of themse- of each other. Have you ever encountered that? Have you ever met somebody or a group of people from a cult or watching a Netflix documentary? They all say the same things. They all dress the same. They all parrot the same stuff. Because in a cult, you're taught that individuality is actually a defect to be ironed out of you. You've all got to conform rigidly to the identity of the cult leader. And every area where there's difference is something where there's brokenness in you, quote, unquote. Okay? So that's, that's not the way it's supposed to be in the body of Christ. It's not supposed to be like that here. You're unique, and that uniqueness is actually God's idea it's God's idea and it's down to his grace on your life the unique grace and gifting on your life is discovered through practicing it and showing up and being you in this context the local body of Christ because this is where we fit together it, it, you know jigsaws my mother-in-law she's in kids she loves a jigsaw puzzle and every Christmas she gets a new jigsaw, and it's always out on the dining room table, There's thousands of pieces, and it's just like, you know, oh my goodness, what is this? You, you have to look at the box to see what it's eventually going to look like, because when you look at it on the table, you've literally no clue, and that's a picture of what the local body of Christ is like. You're a jigsaw piece, and you fit somewhere in this puzzle, and without you, we don't get the picture that we want. You're gifting, your personality, the unique grace on your life is absolutely vital. It's vital to this local church and you need to believe it. You must believe that who you are and what you bring is indispensable to the local body of Christ. Without you showing up, the picture is incomplete, just the same as that jigsaw puzzle. It's to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 17 to 24 says, If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I think often there's, there's a kind of, There's an insecurity, I'm going to finish up soon, but there's there's an insecurity in many of us because we compare who we are, our giftings, our graces to others and very often what then happens is we feel insecure about who we are and we think, well, what have I got to bring? What could I possibly bring to this church that would make it any better? And so we withdraw, we don't fully show up or we pretend to be someone else. That's what the whole thing about mask wearing is at church. It's when we show up and we just don't really show people who we really are because we feel it's kind of wrong. We feel on a level that it's wrong who we are or that if we really show up we'll be rejected. But actually when we see and we fully believe that these differences in us were actually God's plan and God's idea, we can put the mask down And we could fully bring ourselves into the local church and be who God made us to be and bring that gift and therefore bring health to the local body of Christ. The church needs you to show up and it needs you to be who God made you, not a bad copy of someone else. Amen. I remember this so vividly at university, just being at church and looking around and seeing every other guy was not like me. I felt different I felt I didn't belong, I felt I wore the wrong clothes, Um, I I just didn't feel like I fitted in and so what I did was always sit at the back, (coughs) be last in and first out and what I realise now is that that wasn't the case at all, that I'd made a judgement based on the way these other guys looked, they don't look like me so I'm not like them but actually that was foolish of me, I'd made a judgement based on how people looked. And I'd withdrawn myself from the situation because I felt inadequate when actually that wasn't the case at all. And so we've really got to believe that who we are and the way God has made us is crucial to this body of Christ. And you showing up as you are is going to really contribute to health in this body. Let me say also, you don't need a microphone to be contributing to a body of Christ, do you? You don't need a microphone. You don't need to be a preacher. You don't need to be always leading worship or whatever. We're all gifted in different ways. For example, Barnabas is called a son of encouragement in the New Testament. That was his gifting. Some of these giftings don't require a microphone. We can practice them at any time in this body. Final few points, number six. In the body of Christ, we're individually members of one another. We belong not just to God, but to actually to one another. My gifting is your gifting. Your gifting is my gifting. My gifting is the church's. Yours is the church's. The grace on your life is actually for me, and vice versa. And finally, number seven, we are to be active members of the body. Paul encourages us. Let us use our individual gifts, whether prophecy whether service whether teaching encouragement generosity leading or acts of mercy god wants us actually to use these gifts to actually show up and practice them in this setting these gifts are for the upbuilding of the church if we picture for a moment as we close a picture of this idea of a bodybuilder and a bodybuilder needed to get ready for a tournament in order to get stronger this bodybuilder needs to make sure they're getting all the right food, all the right supplements, and that they're able to train. Now, it's, it's all well and good having the strongest biceps in the world, isn't it? But if you don't have fingers, how many of you understand he's not going to be able to train those biceps adequately if he's got the strongest quads in the world, but he's got no feet? It's going to be difficult to train those quads. And so we can see how the whole body Needs the whole body in order to be strengthened. And so we have a duty to one another in the body of Christ to show up, to actually believe that God has put a unique gifting and grace on your life, which is for the betterment of this local body of Christ. And finally, if, if we know in a body, if one piece of that body, if one member is badly injured or is in bad shape, it affects. The whole body, the whole system. So can I just encourage you to keep an eye out for one another, to tend to one another, to check in on one another, to pray for one another as if that other person was a part of yourself. That's the picture of the body of Christ. You belong to me. I belong to you. And what brings you health brings me health. What hurts you hurts me. So let's play our part in Christ's body, shall we? Let's come and let's really believe what I've just said. Let's put faith in that and let's practice our giftings, whether encouragement, service, generosity, teaching, prophecy, whatever it might be. We'll do a whole session on the gifts soon. But let's show up first and let's practice them in this context. I want to just open up some ministry as well. So we're going to have some worship and get Mike and... uh, Dave and back up. But I do want to just leave time for prayer. If anything in that message today has been for you, if you know, yeah, some of that really resonated. I feel I really want to believe that God has put something on my life that's of good that's of benefit to everyone. And I'm not quite sure that I believe that yet. If you want prayer for that, or if you just want to, you want prayer to know exactly what that gifting is, then I'd encourage you to, to come and receive prayer. Um, I'm going to ask Dean, if, I, if you wouldn't mind. We're just going to have a prayer corner over here. Uh, if Dean, you wouldn't mind praying. And um, Ruth, can I ask you as well? Dean and Ruth just going to be over here. If you'd like prayer for anything at all, and I'd ask um, Mum as well, would you mind going over? If you'd like prayer for anything that relates to what we've shared today, Um, Please don't hesitate in worship to just go over and receive prayer. Let's pray all together and we'll worship. Father God, we thank you that you have made us your church alive in the Holy Spirit. And we thank you that no matter what our differences, our backgrounds might be, that we're made one in Christ. And that each of us is here to serve the other and to glorify you. We pray, Lord God, as we go through this year, that you might bring a greater strength and health into this body. And that through serving one another, Lord, we build one another up. And Father, as we grow in health, we would see more and more people saved in this city. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.